Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Charles Neiman, Senior Pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. All right, you guys ready to rock and roll today? Okay, we're going to continue talking today on a series that we're calling Catalyst. And what is a catalyst? The dictionary says a catalyst is an agent or an addition of a substance that when added to other substances accelerates the change or the growth without being affected by that change. I cannot think of a, of a definition of a word that defines the working of the Holy Spirit better than, him, than that in our lives. Truly, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and accelerates the growth that God wants to have happen in our lives that we talked about last month, that growth that he, that he desires, that we desire. And he has been sent to accomplish that. We're looking at what the Bible teaches, how he works, how he operates, what he does, what he has come to do. Because if I know what he's here to do, then I can cooperate with him to get it done. If you don't know what the Holy Spirit is here to do or how he works, then it is possible because the Holy Spirit is not intrusive. It is possible to miss him. It is, a, it is possible to walk right by him, to ignore him when in fact he is working in your life. So we began last week and one of the things, just give you a quick review. One of the things I said to you was, is that it's important in our lives, I believe, that we see the Holy Spirit as the Bible defines him, that he is a person, that he has substance, he has a voice, he has presence in our lives. And we need to, if I can say it this way, I'm kind of hesitant, but it's, I can't think of a better word. We need to train ourselves to be aware of his presence, his substance, his person, his voice in our lives. Again, though, we need to know how he manifests, how he speaks, how and what he's here to do. So then we can cooperate with him. Does that make sense to you? All right. So we saw last week in John, the 14th chapter. All right. So go with me to John, the 16th chapter, and I'll continue talking to you about John, the 14th chapter. We saw last week in John 14, that the Holy, that Jesus said that when he left, that he would pray to the father and ask the father to send another comforter. All right. Now, the key word there is the word another, because in, in the Bible, the word another there means one of equal, right? Not different or lesser. So the Holy Spirit, listen to me now, please. The Holy Spirit, then we could say, based on what Jesus said, is now Jesus' representative to us in the earth. The Holy Spirit represents Jesus to us in the earth. In other words, anything Jesus would do in your life, the Holy Spirit will do in your life. Anything Jesus could do in your life, the Holy Spirit can also do in your life. We, are not, we have not taken a step down because Christ physically went to heaven and the Holy Spirit came. It is no different, only as you will see today, it is actually better that the Holy Spirit is here now. All right? Amen. Okay. Now we also saw from John, the 14th chapter that, that the Holy Spirit comes to, to teach us and to guide us. All right. And we saw there that the words mean to shape our will, to help us to get our minds right, 
to, and they bring that about through knowledge and understanding. All right, through knowledge and understanding. Okay, and so we, we are endeavoring to know and understand in this study. Are you with me so far? Okay, I said, are you with me so far? Amen, Amen. good, thank you. And so uh, we see that, that this is how they work. All right, now let's go to John 16. Okay, that's all the review I can do for you today. And let's go to John 16. All right. Oh, let me remind you, right, that Jesus said in John 14 that the Holy Spirit will bring all things to our remembrance. And that means that he will call things to our mind. He will bring awareness to our mind. And they do that. Please get this through hints and suggestions. Write that down if you're taking notes. Draw a box around it, point arrows at it, meditate on that, think about that. That is the way God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit move in our lives through hints and suggestions. Now, we would like blaring billboards, but they don't do that, okay? They work, we would like burning bushes. They don't do burning bushes. We have a better relationship now because the Holy Spirit is in us, then, then He simply is there and he hints to us, but those hints are not hidden. Those hints are not like, oh, I can see it now after the fact. Those hints are like, duh. How many of you catch what I mean like that? Really? Okay, that's pretty obvious. Well, that's what they want, all right? But it's not, they don't scream at you. They don't yell at you. They don't take you by your hand and drag you to where they want you to go or into behavior that is acceptable. They suggest they hint. Anybody know what I'm talking about today, right? I'm sure all of you in this room at some time or another have said something similar to this, right? I don't know. I was driving down the road and I just felt like I needed to go over here and this happened and this happened. Wow. And people go, wow, what a coincidence. No coincidence. Holy Spirit hinting and suggestion. All right. Any of you have ever had an experience like that? I bet you have. All right. So it wasn't something. It was someone. All right. Was the Holy Spirit working in your life? Okay. Now that you know that that's how they work, then you can be more aware of it, more aware of that, more aware of him. I hope I'm getting through to you. Okay. Now, have you found John 16? If you haven't found it by now, give up. It's not going to happen. Okay. It's just, it's not going to happen today. Maybe in the future, but not today. John 16, verse 7. Jesus comes back around and he starts talking about the Holy Spirit again. All right? He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. What a fascinating way to start a statement. Here is truth himself is about to say something that in his estimate, or he knows, is going to be so amazing, right, that our natural reaction is going to be, no, no, no. He has to start it by telling you, okay, what I'm telling you is the truth. Okay? So don't discount what I'm going to tell you. I'm telling you the truth. Now watch what he says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Now to that, if I'd have been standing there that day, I'd have gone no way. And he'd have said yes way. Amen. All right? So yes, it was. Now that word expedient means advantageous. It is advantageous to you that I go away. How can that be? How can it be possible that, that these men were standing in the presence of Jesus? Come on now. What all of us would love to experience. 
Tell the truth. All right? And he says, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> it's to your advantage that I go away. What? How can that be? Very simple. Very simple. First of all, remember that the Holy Spirit is not a step down from Jesus. They're equal. It's not a step down. He's not lesser comforter. He's equal comforter. All right? He said it is to your advantage. How could it be? How could it be that it is to our advantage? Very simple if you'll stop and think about it. When Jesus was on the earth in physical form, the only people that could benefit from him were the people that were in his immediate presence. Hmm? If Jesus was in the earth today, you could not benefit from him unless you were where he is. It's a fact, right? You read the gospels, right? I mean, they're coming out of Jericho. I always think of this story. They're coming out of Jericho. There's a blind man. The blind man cries out, says, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus calls him over, says, what do you want? He said, I may receive my sight. Jesus said, let it be unto, done unto you according to your faith. The man received his sight. Beautiful, glorious. But you know what? If there was another road a hundred yards over and there was a blind man on that road, he didn't get healed. The only guy that got healed was this guy right here. But because the Holy Spirit is not bound to a physical body, then he can be working in my life. He can work in your life. He can work in Singapore. He can work in Mexico. He can work in Washington, D.C. He can work in Canada. He can work in the Asia. He can work in Europe. He can work... Daytime here, nighttime there. I can be in my house needing him to comfort me at two o'clock in the morning and he can be in your house helping you. He can be giving you wisdom on how to raise your kid. He can touch your teenage kid in Austin because you're praying for him in El Paso. Right? So it is to our advantage that the Holy Spirit has come. Wow. Wow. Truly, the best is yet to come. Amen? All right, let's continue. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So he departed, right? And did the Holy Spirit come? Yes, he did. Second chapter of the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. All right? And when he has come, here we go. Now he's going to start talking to us what he's come to do. So we're going to learn. And when he has come... He will reprove the world of sin. He will reprove the world of righteousness and he will reprove the world of judgment. All right, let's break it down. Okay, the word reprove there means, I love this, means to show to be in the wrong. Now, before I go any further, I'm gonna say to you, I love that work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to show me what I am doing wrong. I don't want to keep doing wrong because I think it's right. You know, a lot of times we are raised with attitudes and believing systems that we think are right, but then in fact, in fact, they are wrong. Whenever I think of that, I think of racism and bigotry. You know, a lot of times people are raised in homes by racists and bigots. And they think that being a racist and a bigot is right. It's a fact. And they're raised that way. It's amazing how much stuff we are taught 
that, it, that is right, that in fact is wrong. And it's not only stuff like racism and bigotry, it's our attitude towards other things in life that family, friends, co-workers, whatever, have given us these ideas. And we think that they're right. But the Holy Spirit has come to correct us. And the word reprove also means to convince us that this believing or acting or attitude, in fact, is wrong. And it is to our advantage to quit doing what is wrong. It's to our advantage. It's going to give us a better life. How many of you agree with all that, right? It's going to give us a better life. All right? And a lot of times, the only way we're going to get that, that reproof is from the Holy Spirit. Because we may be in an atmosphere where everybody around us thinks and believes and acts exactly the same wrong way. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? I'm not, I'm not being critical, but you know, these illustrations pop in my mind, so I like to give them to people. You know, it's like if you were raised in a family of alcoholics and everyone in your family is an alcoholic. Well, you grow up thinking that being an alcoholic is right until the Holy Spirit convinces you that it's wrong or being a racist or a bigot or a hater. Come on, give me a good amen today. Right until the Holy Spirit convinces you that it's wrong. Amen. Amen. You know, it's like I've said to you many times, you know, I believe this all my heart. And I believe we should have the legislation, but I also will tell you that you can't change men's hearts through legislation. The only way you can change a man's heart is through God. Amen. Amen. You, you, you may legislate a man not to say things, but it doesn't change his heart. So the Holy Spirit comes. Now notice here, you're still with me? Everybody with me? Right? So notice here it says that the Holy Spirit comes to reprove the world. To reprove, to show to be in the wrong, the world. So not only is the Holy Spirit working on you and me, he also has a ministry to the world at large. The word world there literally means those under the control of Satan. Woo! Now at one time... At one time, that was all of us. Oh, pastor, I, I, I wasn't in Satan worship. Didn't say you were. But you don't have to be in Satan worship to be of your father, the devil. That's what Jesus said in John 8. And we were all born into sin. That's why Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. Not that you should or it'd be a nice thing or maybe you ought to consider it. No, he said you must. You must be born again. Why? Because my nature is incompatible with God. So I need to get a new nature. I must be born again. That's how you become a child of God. Amen. Amen. Right? And how do you get born again? By receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And by receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, Romans the 10th chapter says, by confessing Jesus as Lord, believing in your heart God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. Amen. So salvation then comes to your life. Can we give him a hand clap for that reality today? Amen. All right. So that's what makes us compatible, okay? So he comes to reprove the world, right? To reprove the world of sin. Now, write this down. This may be one of the most powerful things I've ever, I've ever shared with you, all right? This definition, this, this is so, it's so simplistic, 
but it's so powerful. Are you ready? All right. So here the Bible defines sin. Okay. But it, it takes us, there's a, there's a part of the definition here that is so important. Listen, he says, he comes to convict, convince us of sin. What is it? What is sin? Missing the true end and meaning of our lives, which is God. Missing the true end and meaning, right, of our lives, which is God. Why are you here? Not here in this service, but why are you here on the planet? Why are you here? You know, people have been asking that question for centuries. Why am I here? Hmm? Why are we here? And it's created songs, it's created poetry, it's created books, philosophies. Why are we here? Hmm? Why are we here? Well, we are here. Our true meaning and end is to know God. To know God. Now that sounds too simple. But if you'll think with me for a moment and think about all of the other things that try to get in between you and that reality. All of the other voices, all of the other idols, so to speak, that try to get in between you and that. That you don't know God. You know, I was at a conference not very long ago and a guy got up and he said this. He was very sincere. And he said, we were made for one reason, to worship God. No, you weren't. You were made to know God. And because you know God, then you will worship God. But you were not made to worship. You were made to know. And there are all kinds of things that will try to keep you from getting to that reality. And anything that tries to keep you from knowing God is labeled by God as sin. Tries to cause you to miss your, the true meaning and end of your life. Isn't that a good thought? Right? So, am I cooperating for that to happen? Am I seeking to know God? Am I moving? That is my purpose. That is my DNA. That is the reason why I was conceived and brought into the earth. It's the reason why you are here to know God. Am I knowing God do I, or do I simply know about God? Do I embrace the concept of God, which is possible and still not know God? Pretty good thought, huh? So my true purpose is God. To know God. To focus on God. To live with God. To understand God. To be in harmony with God. Wow. Hmm? Let's continue. Are we learning anything today? Okay. So to convince the world of sin... And of righteousness. 
Now, the word righteousness means conformity to the claims of a higher power. Do you know that can only happen because I want it to happen? What, Pastor? Conform to the claims of a higher power. Conform to the claims of a higher power. Conform to the claims of a higher power. So the Holy Spirit comes to convince me that it is to my advantage to conform to the claims that God has laid upon my life, that God wants to be God in my life, that he wants to be Father in my life, that Jesus wants to be Lord and Savior in my life, that the Holy Spirit wants to be comforter and plead God's cause in my life, that I need to turn the running and the driving of my life over to them, that they have a claim on my life and I surrender that claim. I give them because why? Well, what gives them the right to claim my life? Why? This is what I think. I believe God has the right to claim my life because he is God. End of story. He needs no other reason than that. No other reason than that because he is God and I'm not. Now, there are other reasons because he wants to make my life better. He knows more than I know. He can do things that I cannot do. He can bring things out of me that I could never bring out of myself. He knows my purpose. He knows my gifts. He know, he's knew me before I was conceived in my mother's womb, Jeremiah said. And he has a purpose and a plan and a hope and a future. And he wants all of those to work. And he wants to bring it about. He wants my life to matter. He wants my life to count. He wants me to make a difference. And he will do all that. But I've got to give him and recognize his claim and his claim comes because he is a higher power. Does that all make sense to you today? Amen. All right. So he does this through righteousness, through the claims of a higher power. Okay. The claims of a higher power. Then he says, then he moves on to the next one, right? And of judgment. Now, the word judgment there in the Bible dictionary means the judgment Jesus took upon himself on the cross. So why is this important to the Holy Spirit? Why is it important to the Holy Spirit? Why is it to my advantage for him to convince me of the judgment that Jesus endured at the cross? Why is that important? Why? Do they bring that awareness to my life simply to make me feel guilty? No. That awareness is brought to my life and brought to your life. I believe that it's brought to our lives so that A, we, we understand, we need to understand why did Jesus go to the cross? You know, when I was a boy, nobody ever explained that to me. All I was ever told was, is that my sins put him there. Your sins put him there. I was told that all the time. Your sins put him on that cross. And they, you know, had him in front of me on the cross all the time. Your sins put him there. Well, technically, I guess you could say they did. But Jesus did not say, for God sent Jesus in the earth so that your sins could put him to the cross. Jesus said, I came into the earth because God loves you. Because God loves you, I'm willing to go to the cross for you. So really and truly, really and truly, 
It wasn't my sins or your sins that put him there. It was his love for you that put him there. Say amen to that because it's the truth. Come on, let's tell the truth today. Jesus could have looked at your sins and my sins and said, tough luck. <laughs> you're cute, but you're not that cute. I know what happens on that cross. I know what people go through on that cross. I'm not going up there for you. <laughs> your, sin, your sins aren't putting me up there. No, no. The only thing that put him on that cross was his love for you. Hmm? Well, when you realize that, then when you hear people say, you hear people say, you know, I don't, I don't think God even loves me. Wow. Wow. I think God's already proved he loves you. I think that's, that's, a, that's a period and an exclamation point, and there's no more writing after that. He's already proved that. Hmm? So why do I need to be convinced of the judgment Jesus took upon himself on the cross. Why? Because that judgment that he took upon himself was my judgment. That judgment he took upon himself belonged to me. Why did he need to take that judgment upon himself? Because by taking that judgment upon himself as savior, as lamb of God, by taking that judgment upon himself, I don't have to take that judgment. By being made to be sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, I can be made the righteousness of God. Because Jesus was made to be poor, I can be well supplied. Because Jesus was forsaken, I am accepted. Because Jesus was rejected, I am allowed in. Because Jesus went to hell, Charles gets to go to heaven. He took the judgment. And I need to be convinced of that. Because listen, if I'm not convinced of that, then you know what? Then you know what's going to happen to me? I'm never going to receive him as my Lord and my Savior. If I'm not convinced that that judgment, there's a price to be paid for my sin, then, that, then I'll never accept him. Just the other day, I was talking to a guy. A few weeks ago, I was talking to a man. He came up to me, he started talking to me. He was very serious, right? And he said, he said, you know, I know who you are. I watch you on TV. And I said, you know, great. And he goes, you know, I'm really struggling with something. And I said, okay. He said, can I ask you? I said, absolutely. He said, he said you know, uh, I don't know why, but here lately, and he's a guy a little bit older than me. He said, I've really been thinking about the end of my life. And I, I, I want to I know what do I need to, be, to do to be ready to meet God at the end of my life? And, and, and to make sure that I'm going to go to heaven. And I thought, wow, this is one of the easiest questions I've ever been asked. Right? Wow. Okay. I said, well, uh, plainly put, I said, the Bible says that you need to receive Jesus as your savior and confess him as Lord of your life. Now he looked at me and he said, well, why do I need a savior? I said, well, you need a savior because we've all sinned. And because we've all sinned, our sin separates us from God. And he looked at me and he said, why do I need to confess him as Lord of my life? I said, because by confessing him as Lord of your life, then you are admitting that you are submitted to him and that his lordship is what you need, not you. And he looked at me and he looked at me and he kind of moved his head around like that. And he said, you know what? He said, I, I just, I just, I just can't buy into that. 
I said, why not? He said, well, first of all, he said, I think, well, Okay, if you don't ever learn anything from me, if this is the only Sunday you come to church here and you don't learn anything from me, if you will learn this, it'll make your life better. They, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, do not care what you think. That's a fact, Jack. They don't care what you think. Now that is hard on you American Christians because you think that everybody should care what you think. But they don't care what you think. They were thinking long before you got here and they will be thinking long after you're gone. They don't conform to our thinking. We conform to their thinking. But then he said, I think that when my life is over, God will look at my life and he will see. Oh, so now you're telling me how God will see. Really? For a guy that doesn't know God, you sure know a lot about him. All right. And God will see that my good far outweighed the bad I did in my life and I will, he will accept me into heaven. He said, plus, he said, I'm not going to confess Jesus as Lord of my life. I'm Lord of my life. Okay. So I looked at him and I said, you know what? I've got to go, but I'm going to tell you right now. I had to, I had an appointment. I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. He said, no, no, thanks. I said, no, no. One, one last statement. I said, you know what? I respect your right to think what you want, but I'm going to tell you right now, that kind of thinking that you're thinking right now is going to put you in hell and not in heaven. I said, I'm sorry to tell you that. I think you are a good guy. I've heard about you in town. I think you're a good guy. You're probably a great husband, a great dad. I said, but the reality is if you've ever sinned and you have, and he said, yes, I have, then that sin is going to keep you out of heaven regardless of what you think, because God didn't set it up that you could earn your way into heaven. You can only get to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ, not faith in you. But if you're not convinced that Jesus needed to carry that judgment, you see what I'm saying? Then you'll never receive what God has for you because now you're into performance based with God instead of relationship based. Amen. Can we go a little further? Amen. Everybody still happy? This kind of, kind of strong, isn't it? Kind of strong. All right, let's jump down to verse 13. How be it, how be it, how be it, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now write this down. The word truth there is a very fascinating word. It means divine reality, gospel reality. Okay, before we go any further, if I want the Holy Spirit to have his way in my life, if I want him to accomplish what Jesus sent him to accomplish my, in, my eye, in my life, then I need to understand, accept, believe, and put into practice in my life that what he does in my life centers around gospel 
truth. He will lead you into all gospel truth, divine reality. So, I asked myself as I was writing these things down, okay, I want him to guide me. I want him to teach me. I want him to do his work in my life. And he does his work, right, through divine gospel reality. Amen. All right? So he's going to bring it. So then I asked myself, Charles, are you making room for that to happen in your life? Am I making room for that to happen in my life? Listen, I'll tell you from my own life experience, it is very easy, even though you don't mean to, it's very easy to go days, weeks, months and not make any room in your life for the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because there's so many other things going on around us. So many other things. And because they are not intrusive, they lead and don't force. Then if we're not careful, because we don't set the stage, so to speak, we don't put ourselves in position, I don't make room for him in my life. Now I make room for this and this and this and this and this. Now, God has, the Holy Spirit has a room in my house, but basically it becomes a closet or it becomes the shed in the backyard. And what I need to do is take him out of the closet and put him in the den and put him in the living room and put him in my life. I need to make room for the Holy Spirit. I need to be able, it's good for you to come to church where you hear great teaching. Amen. Thank you for your spontaneity, right? Where you hear great teaching. But this isn't enough. I'm just telling you, it's not enough. You know, I probably spend more time in the Word than most of you do. And a lot of my time in the Word is spent getting lessons to teach you. Now, that's time in the Word, but I also need personal time for the Holy Spirit to speak to me, to teach me. And He teaches me through gospel reality. So I have to make room for that. Is, is that clear? Did you, did you catch that? All right. Amen. Okay, let's move on. Okay, I, I, I could just keep going over that and over it and over it. All right. He will guide you. All right. He will guide you. The word guide there means he will lead the way by teaching. He will lead the way by teaching. Now, one way the Holy Spirit teaches us is at church. It's one way the Holy Spirit teaches us. And that's why I encourage you to come on the weekend, come Wednesday night. All right. I, I hope you will. I hope you'll take every advantage. That's one way he teaches us. But as great as it is, it's not enough. You need more. So I asked myself as I was writing this down, I, I didn't ask, I wrote it down in my notes. I said, Charles, you need to give him time to teach you. You need to give him time to teach you. Now, what do I mean by time? Where I'm, where I'm in a quiet place and I can open my Bible, I can read, I can listen to a CD in my car. Amen. Thank God for that, right? Or listen to your Bluetooth in the car, right? Your USB or something, right? But listen to it in the car and turn off the other distractions and give him time to teach me. 
And when I hear it, to meditate upon it, think about how that truth applies to my life. What is it correcting in me? Did God just a, just show me something wrong or something I was doing right that I could do better? You know, the definition of repentance means to go from bad to good and good to better. Amen. All right. Y'all are sure quiet. Are you thinking? Okay, so long as you're thinking, right? And he will show you things to come. And he will show you things to come. Boy, this is brilliant. The word show means foretell. He will show you, he will foretell. And the term things to come means the way to go. The way to go. So I wrote down there, I need to give him time to show me. The way to go. Can I just remind you of something? I know, I know you already know this, but let me just remind you of this today. The Holy Spirit knows exactly how your spouse needs you to treat them. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what your friends need from you. The Holy Spirit knows exactly how you need to act at work this week. The Holy Spirit knows exactly how you need to raise your kids. He knows exactly. Exactly. You know, I had a friend of mine just, just here recently, in the last few days, uh, I saw him and I said, hey, how's it going? Right? And he was like, oh, yeah, great. And I said, no, what's going on? And so he has, he has this like little two-year-old boy, right? He's got three kids, two of them older, and then this, this one. <laughs> and I mean, and the little boy, cute as he could be, right? And he, they don't live here in El Paso, so don't worry about it, okay? So I'm not talking about anybody around here. But the little kid was standing there, and the kid was standing there like this. Oh. <laughs> right? I mean, copping this attitude at two years old, man. And I'm like, I'm like looking at the kid, cute as he could be, but I'm like, whoa. How <laughs> many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, whoa. Now, I know the two older kids, and they're like real sweet, real compliant, and oh, here, mommy, here's some flowers I picked for you. This is the kid that would dig up the flowers. <laughs> you know that kid I'm talking about? You may have one like that, right? I mean, you just, you just got this kid, right? And he's just standing there, right? And he's just like looking at me like. <laughs> and, and the dad is like, the kid's behind him, and he's like looking at me like, oh, my God, Charles. My wife and I, we don't know what to do. I said, what do you mean? He said, he said, like, like he's like this, like all the time. I'm not exaggerating. He said, like, he never backs off. And he said to me, he said, you know, I heard your teaching on parenting 101. I said, yeah. He goes, help. You know, and I looked at the little guy, and I, you know, and I've got a little time in here, a little bit, so didn't have this. So, so I actually got down and started talking to him and said, hey, how you doing, man? And he's, he's kind of like looking at me, and I just started talking, and he just kind of softened up, became real sweet, and, and he's a good little kid, right? But he's just strong, right? Just strong. He's just a strong kid, right? And some, those of you who have never had a kid like that, you should go home and say, thank you, Jesus, all right? But 
Some of us have kids like that. I have grandkids like that. I mean, they're just like. <laughs> wow. And I told him, I said, well, the first thing you got to understand is you can't raise him like you raise the other two. He's totally different than the other two. And to try to make him fit into that box, it's not going to work. He's not going to fit in that box. It's not going to work. I said, what you need to do is you and your wife, when you put them to bed, you guys need to get quiet with the Lord. You need to get the scriptures, find all the scriptures you can about raising kids, get them out, read them, meditate upon them, pray over it, get quiet, turn off your, your iPhone, turn off the TV, I know that scared some of you, the thought of turning off your phone, all right? You will not die. Get off of Facebook. <laughs> and shut up. And listen. Read the scriptures. Get quiet. Pray. Tell the Holy Spirit. Teach us. Guide us. Teach us. Because you know what I told that dad and then we're going to stop. You know what I told that dad that day? I said, you know what the truth is? I said, you know what you have right here? You have a leader. You got a leader. That's what you have. You don't have a follower. This boy is a leader. And he's trying to sort all that out. I said, I know him. He goes, how do you know him? I said, because... That's me <laughs> right there. I was that kid right there. That was me. And nobody knew how to handle me. And it wasn't until I got in relationship with Jesus that he knew how to handle me. And he was able to scrape off all of that other stuff that was stopping that gift from coming out of me. What I would have given if my parents had been in tune with the Holy Spirit, had sat down and let the Holy Spirit teach them how to bring that out of me. You can do that. You're, he can show you how to do it. But you got to give him room. You got to give him time. And I'm out of time. Stand to your feet with me, please. Did that help you today? Does this make sense to you? Amen. Can we pray for just a minute and then I'll let you go. Lift your hands towards heaven with me. Holy Spirit, we want you. We sang early today. Holy Spirit, come into this place. This place is us. This place is us. Us as individuals, us as families, us as couples. Us as a church family, God, Holy Spirit, come into this place. Fill this atmosphere. We want to sense your presence. We know you are here. Lord, we the purpose right here today. We're going to make room for you, Holy Spirit. We're going to make room for you. We're going to carve out time during our days, during our weeks. We're going to make room for you to speak to us to teach us, to show us things to come. It's not going to be all on the fly. 
We're going to get quiet. We're going to make room for you so we can hear your suggestions, hear your words, because it's to our advantage to do this. In Jesus' name, could I have every head bowed, every eye closed? One more. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.